Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us, our guest on the show today, we have Jay Hagedorn of Berserker Strength and Conditioning with two locations in Idaho. Jay, what's going on, man? How are you? How are you doing, Joe? How are you doing, folks? I am. I'm excited to, to pick your brain on this. Berserker is the latest iteration of your gym ownership, but this is not your first foray. You have plenty of experience on the resume here in the fitness industry. And so we're going to, we're going to pick your brain and see what we can extract out of there, Jay. Before we talk business and, and explore Berserker, why don't you give us a little bit of description or background? What is Berserker Strength and Conditioning in your own words? Well, Berserker Strength and Conditioning, um, when I opened this facility or our facilities, what I wanted to do was brand just a little bit differently than most people do. So my family has family has a Nordic background and berserkers were the shock troops of Vikings, right? When they go out and, and do their thing. So our whole thing is train like a warrior, be the best you can um, and go hard, go hard, but also have community. So that's what we do at Berserker. And that's what our, that's what our philosophy is. Yeah. Now, Take me back in, in memory lane here to when the first idea started swimming around your head to open up Berserker. What was going on for you and, and when what, what was the timeline of all of this of when you got this one off the ground? Well, we've been rolling. We've been in business for over four years, um, going on five. And when, when I had the, uh, the brain child or the, the thought process to open Berserker, I actually owned another gym and I was going through a split with my kid's mom. And um, that's how it all came about. That's how it came to fruition. That was the start. And I thought about what I'd like to see maybe different than what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took all the positive things that I had done before with me. Um, I trained out of a CrossFit box after I closed my old gym for a year that was interesting doing personal training out of a crossfit I box. Bet. yeah um <laughs> and then um i ended up in a gym where it's funny because your guys podcast focuses on what does it take to open and run a successful gym i had this buddy um that i met i started training out of his facility and it was called old school iron right um in our area it's really difficult to open and operate what you would focus on and, and just your focus is it's an iron gym. Those don't roll really well here. Um, but he had a, a gym that was called old school iron. He used to be um, a cop down in Cali and he, he had a big accident, got a big settlement from, it was on duty and he took the money and he opened the gym. So he trained people, but he'd never operated the gym before. And um, he was pretty burnt out when I showed up. So I went I from bet. the, cross, I went from yeah. the CrossFit box his gym, which is now Berserker Strength Conditioning, I bought it from. Ah, I see. Okay. And, um, you know, I knew he was burned out. He'd admit it to this day. It was, it was very difficult for him. Um, I'd show up and, and, and try to help and 
there came a point where I was going to go to a city, which is really close to where we're at and open facility. And I talked to him and he's like, dude, you want to buy the place? Cause he knew if I left, it was going to be hard for him. Falling apart, and, sure. And we purchased it and uh, here I am brother. But yeah. he, didn't have, he didn't have that experience of managing a facility he'd train and um, it's a different animal when you have to own and operate one for sure. The business of fitness is not an easy one. There are so many things that that happen on a day-to-day basis that you don't think about when you're just doing some math on the back of a napkin. If I get 500 members paying 50 bucks a month, I'm just going to be raking in the cash mm-hmm. until you see the bills that mm-hmm. come due and it's it just doesn't work out that simply at least. Tell me about your experience taking over an existing gym how was how was the the culture shift or what were some of the the pros and cons that you saw with that process it was was pretty interesting joe when i took it over um he definitely had people there were people here but it was a little bit different culture it was mostly bodybuilding he's an npc judge that's what he always did was bodybuilding train some high caliber people Um, But there just weren't very many members here. So my focus was to bring in more cardio equipment, some selectorized stuff, things that everybody can use. Not everybody can afford personal training. I try to help everybody out the best that I can when they show up. You can't just leave people to the woods. Otherwise, you're like a Planet Fitness. You know, that's why they have so much cardio equipment, selectorized machines. They don't want people to be intimidated, but less than 7% of their membership base actually works out. I want people to get the most they can out of this facility or any of our facilities. When we took it over, we brought in more cardio equipment, more selectorized equipment, and that caused a, a pretty good influx of yep. members just doing that. Yep. Um, there's, it was, there's no shortage of stories in our space of absentee owners or people that fail to reinvest into their facility and, and membership notices those things. You don't, you don't keep the the place up to snuff. People are going to find somewhere that does. You know? Yeah. I think it's important. Something that I implemented was, it's really simple, just software that manages your membership base. Like he'd had paid fools that hadn't been renewed. People were coming in that didn't have, they weren't paying. If someone's, yeah. if someone's card dropped off file, they were coming in and most people, you know, you can't get mad at the members because most people don't even check their freaking bank accounts. They never even looked. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. malicious. No, it wasn't. Most of the time it's not, they're not looking for a freebie. So that helped increase the membership base. I think we had legitimately 97 members when I took it over. So it was like, where is it now? Um, between the two, I can't give you an exact breakdown, but I have 3,500 members now. So a little bit of a jump. At least. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> okay. So talk to me through that growth. I mean, we we clearly have done something right in that time, Jay. What's what have you found in in maybe even before you were running Berserker, but what have you found to be successful from a marketing standpoint or an advertising standpoint, just to get some new people and new blood in? I think your marketing, your biggest asset is your members. So we didn't have a lot, but simply walking up to someone, Joe, and saying, hey, could you do me a favor? 
when you ask somebody for a favor, that shows them that while well, you trust, you're trusting them with something that's important to you. And they're usually they're like, oh yeah, you could just have a simple pass, a day pass card, hand that to the member and say, hey, you know anybody that might want to come in here and work out? I'm trying to grow the membership base. It's just that simple. That's your biggest asset, in my opinion, is members and referrals. Yeah. And it's cheap. It's free. It should be yeah, at least. A card, right? A day pass card. Yeah. When we uh, talk about marketing, and in marketing can be any number of different strategies, but usually it's it's going to cost us something either in the form of dollars in, in the advertising sense or time. Mm -hmm. You, when you started with 97 members, I would imagine we didn't have a ton of extra dollars flying around. So we had to do what we had to do to grow this thing referrals make a lot of sense to me since then have you have you dipped in your your toes in the water of the advertising world at any point oh absolutely absolutely like direct mail is effective um i think a lot of gyms have gotten away from that and they just go straight to social media marketing which i do but direct mail is pretty effective you're gonna get about a 1% return. Like you're gonna sign up about 1% of what you send out in direct mail. So if you're sending out 100,000 pieces, you're still getting a significant amount of members influx, right? Um, obviously social media marketing, that's important. You wanna to try to get stuff to go viral without paying for it as much as you can. Um, I like to be a little bit goofy and just real. I'm not fake when I put videos out there I try to be as real as I can. And um, and then I'll do paid advertisement too on on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. I think I think the biggest thing that most people are missing currently as far as gym owners is utilizing Google. Um, okay. Google will cause a massive influx if you can get your Google squared away. Um, you'd be surprised what could happen to your gym. Yeah. Let me ask you this, because I think it's a pretty big sticking point in our space. When we when we think about who the typical gym owner is, we use the term meathead a lot. And I'm sure that's been thrown around your facility once or twice. But are these the, the social media advertising that you do, the Google SEO that you do, are these things that you guys are doing in-house? Are we are we delegating that to a third party? Tell us about what you how you actually went about this. I, I do most of it. I have people that help me with it, but I do most of it. Yeah. So I had a friend that I had a friend that helped me a few years ago. He graduated from a local college, then went and got a master's at Oxford. And um, his whole thing is social media marketing. And it's a good a person people, to know, Jay. Yeah, bro. He he dropped it on <laughs> this me. This is a good course. person to know. So his name's Derek. Thanks, Derek, if you're listening. Um but he, he, what his thing was, was he put out three posts every day. And a lot of people will try to hide behind their business. They won't put themselves out there. I like to put myself out there. I'm not the prettiest face to be the face of, I'm not, I'm the Colonel Sanders of Berserker, right? But I'm the face. So what Derek instructed me to do, which works, is you do three posts a day on your social media and you can share it from Insta to Facebook, Sure. You'd like. You do one that's educational, right? You do one that's entertaining. And then whatever you're about, even if you're like trolling, 
you do one that's just funny. Three posts every day consistently. If you do more than that, people aren't going to follow your stuff. They'll unfollow you. It's too much. If you're not putting out three posts a day, it's just not enough to maintain captivity of your audience. It's a balancing act for sure. And, and I think if I were to, to summarize at least, the, the people that I talk to, our industry has a tough time with systems like this. I think we tend to overcomplicate things and I think it runs parallel to training. You do too much, you're going to get hurt. You don't do enough, nothing's going to happen. True. You know, you got to find this, this delicate balance. And if we even take a step further back from that, social media 2023, it's where the eyeballs are. Google, it's where the eyeballs are. You know, we have to, whether we like it or not, it's irrelevant in our conversation. We have to be there if we want our business to take advantage of that. I want to I want to shuffle the conversation along a little bit and, and pick your brain on the sales process and how people actually go about signing them. You've been in the industry for a long time. You've seen a lot of different iterations of fitness sales, but it's gotten a bad rap over the, the past few decades here, Jay. So talk to us a little bit about the checkpoints involved. When somebody reaches out interested in coming to the gym, what happens from that moment to signing up and a new paying member? Hey, what's your name? Your name's Joe. Joe, hey, I'm Jay. Hey, what are you what are you doing here? What are you coming in for? I mean, you just gotta be real. I'm I'm giving you a tour of my place, right? So I'm Jay. Um, you ever been in here before? They're gonna say no. You walk them around, ask them what their goals are. What are you what are you looking to do? Try to introduce them to members as you're walking around the facility. Hey, this is so-and-so, this is James, this is Bob. I can do that when I walk. I know everybody's name. When I walk through my club, I know everybody's name. That's important because it makes that person feel like they're important to you. And um, I'll show them everything and then I'll be like, what does it look like a place you'd like to be? You'd like to be a part of this place? Here's our rates. And my rates are really simple. I've got um, a non-contracted a non month-to-month. Okay. I've got a one-year agreement and a paid in full. Which one do you want to do? Yeah. And then I'll explain to them there's 30-day cancellation policy. I explain it all. One thing that I know that sales in our industry, like one of the very negative aspects of it is a lot of the mega gyms, they'll, if you try to cancel or say your membership's up, they'll auto-renew you without talking to you. Or they'll keep billing you and they'll try to find a reason to keep billing you. That's yeah. a big, that's a big no, no. Like there's some mega gyms in my area that are, they've been doing that long enough. They're, they're like, they're sinking. They're slinging yeah. $10, $10 a month memberships trying to stay afloat. That's one of the biggest differences that I see between independently owned gyms like yours and conglomerate branded franchise type facilities is that, the second one, they don't want you to show up. They want you to keep paying, but they don't want you there. Mm -hmm. Your service, and it seems to me, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems more that, that we want you to actually utilize the gym. It's crazy to even say that we have to, to call attention to that, but because you rely if they're on not, If they're not in your facility, you can't sell them training. Like your gym's not going to have a great rap 
when people are excited about their progress, they're going to brag about you, right? When they're putting their stuff out on social media, they're tagging you. I lost all this weight or I had this PR. Like they're giving you accolades. When you're just slinging members through like cattle and most of them aren't utilizing it, it's, it's just, it's not good in my opinion. You know, you give people tools that they need to succeed in the long run, that's going to help your growth and your longevity. How many people can you go through at 10 bucks a month where you try to renew them and they didn't get anything out of it. They used it twice. You're going to run out of people eventually. Yep. It's a good point. Now, piggybacking on that, Jay, I think one thing that I'm sure that you've found in the, the last four or five years with this is that keeping your members members is, is an even bigger feat than signing up people on the front end. What's influenced that the most for you guys? How have you, or what have you focused on to, to keep retention high? You develop culture. And what I mean by that is you develop a friendship between these people, whatever they're doing, so we start a powerlifting club. There's powerlifters here. There's not a ton of them, but they do their thing together. Straw men, they all meet on the weekend. Like we'll have this place packed out with straw men. They're trained together. Like it's their family. Um, retention comes through feeling like they belong. I really believe that. That's the biggest thing. If they don't feel like they belong, they're not going to keep going. Yep. Yeah. So culture and, it's a, it's a word that comes up time and time again in our space. And it's, it's this kind of intangible feeling, but anybody that's spent time in gyms, like you have, you walk through the doors and you know that it's there or you walk through the doors and you know that it's not there. Well, it's going to feel a, the, the opposite end of that Joe is like that ominous pressure when you walk through the doors and, and then maybe you get a workout in and you can feel the clicks like there's people that just click and they're yeah. clicking together, but you can't join that click. So you're totally, you're correct. It is what it is. It's unfortunate, but given the nature of what we do now, zoom out on this, Jay. I mean, we, we spent a good deal of time talking about how you got this started and, and the buildup process to what it looks like now. Take us into the future here. Tell me where we're still trying to go with these two clubs what's what are what are some unchecked boxes in your mind i want to here's something a lot of people don't think about they open these gyms they don't really have a business plan they don't do a demographic breakdown of their area and they they fail i've had a hard go that i've done this for a long time and i've had a, a good go i know how to do things right now but uh what I want to do is I want to own my properties. I don't want to lease. When you could have, you could have Joe, 2,000, 3,000 members in a little club. And they don't mean nothing. It's all blue sky. If you don't own the property, um, you don't really own anything. If you own the property long-term, that's a tangible asset. Gym equipment devalues so fast. I'll never buy gym equipment again. I'll lease it because it's 100% write-off. A lot of people don't get that. You lease it, you can write off 100% of that bill, five years, flip it, and have all brand new equipment. You buy it, it depreciates within a few years. You can't really write it off very long. Right. Yeah. I think long-term, owning my buildings. That's the goal. Yeah. And I'd like to do 10 in my valley in this area, and then 
long term, I'd like to go outside of the area, but I'm getting a little long in the tooth too, so we'll see. There's there's always something else for us to think about. I appreciate the the what you may not have thought about perspective on here twofold. One, purchasing equipment is probably going to be the single biggest expense when it comes to opening up a gym. And there's pros and cons to owning versus leasing, like you said. But thinking about the tax advantage side of things is a big deal. Second, pair that with commercial real estate. That makes or breaks more gyms that I talk to than anything else. You could have the greatest business and the best coaching and the most wonderful equipment. But if you sign a shitty lease, there's only so much you can do. And it's, it's something that I think a lot of people neglect to do their diligence on just because it's, it's another thing that's just unfamiliar. I don't know that much about the legal contract side of commercial leases and in the, the glory and the glamor of starting a gym. I just want to get through the paperwork. Just let me get to my gym. Just let me get to my gym. And I may make a mistake. You know, I'm sure you've seen it time and time again. I've had so many guys and girls ask me, Hey, how do I, how do I open a gym? Even members, I'm going to open a gym in your city. Hey, great. Great. The thing is they've never managed a gym. They've never ran one. They haven't, done a business plan the first question i ask them is what's your exiting strategy you know because it's hard to make it in this industry what's your exit strategy and they don't have one do you have a business plan a lot of gym owners in my valley they don't have business plans i hear far more often than not jay when i and i ask about exit strategy a lot on this show i hear far more often i'll probably just have a heart attack on the floor and die you yeah, know, yeah. I'm just gonna coach coach until the day I die. Yeah. It's, it nice. is, it's unfortunate. And even if so, here's my take on it. Even if you have no desire to ever sell your business, building it in a way that if you had to sell it, you could is gonna serve you far more in the long term than if Jay is required in every single activity jay is the ceo jay is the head of sales jay is the guy doing all the marketing jay is the head janitor jay is all of these things that's that's a business that's not going to sell for very much you know i've got a lot of people that work here with me and i appreciate them so much you know i try to surround myself with people that are better than me and um it's funny i got this friend that i train he's a surgeon and he's young guy right he hasn't been out of med school that long. But uh, my people were going, I had to clean shit off the toilet. I had to clean a toilet. I, I do that. If people aren't around, I'll do it. I, I clean. You should, always, you should always do everything. You should be capable of doing whatever. I don't like doing it. That's why I hire people to do it. But I came out and I was training him. And it's like, man, I thought after all this time, I, I'd be beyond this point of having to clean toilets. And... Uh, from this young doc, it was pretty, it was a good, uh, it was a good learning moment for me. He's like, you know, I'm going to be paying on these loans that I took to be a doctor for the next 20 some years. And I go to the ER and every day 
I'm sticking my fingers in someone's vagina or up someone's ass. <laughs> he said, he said, if I go back and do it all over again, I do something different, but don't matter where you're at in life, you're always going to have to deal with some kind of shit. You're going to have to do something. That's a, yeah. that's a great, great analogy. <laughs> what a perfect place for us to begin to wrap our conversation up, Jay, but in the, the few bits of time that we have left here, why don't you tell our listeners where they could learn more about Berserker? Is there a website? Is there social media links? How can people find you guys? Look up Berserker Strength and Conditioning on Facebook. Um, BerserkerIdaho.com. Um, that's our website. Um, you can also find us on Instagram, Berserker Idaho. Straightforward yeah, and simple enough. If you're a gym person and you're outside of our area and you want help, um, we can help you. If you're interested in opening a gym someday, I'm not beyond talking to people. Yeah, so. it's uh, it's greatly appreciated. Connect with Jay and his team on those platforms. This has been awesome, Jay. I, I genuinely appreciate your your willing to to give us a look underneath the hood of of how this actually functions. So. I'm excited. I, I can't wait to see what the future holds for you. And I wish you nothing but the best, man. Thanks, Joe. Absolutely. To everyone who tuned in, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Wars Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily, and joining us on the show is Miles from Six Fit Gyms out of the UK. What's going on, Miles? How are you doing today? Uh, very good, very good. Thank you for having me, and uh, I'm excited to um, chat and share some uh, somewhat common, common, common practice and see, see what um see what makes sense and uh see, see what we can share yeah absolutely man you know we're, we're definitely excited to have you on the show as well but before we dive into the nitty-gritty of what you guys have going on and how you run six foot gyms tell us a little bit about how you describe your business of people and what made you want to start your gym in the first place because you guys have been around for i believe you said 21 years 2021 years right yeah, the gym's been around a long time, recently gone through a rebrand and a modernization process, trying to improve everything we do. Um, I've had other gym chains in the past that I've sold, so I've been in the fitness industry a long time. Um, so I've seen lots of things happen. I've seen a lot of trends, a lot of cycles in the industry, uh, things that become popular and fallen out of favor. And I've seen what's tried and tested and has sort of stayed the course and sort of still is relevant today. Okay. So prior to opening up your gym, were you working like as a personal trainer for somebody else? I, um, I started in the gym industry 25 years ago. Um, and I worked for some of the big chains like fitness first David Lloyd. So I, I had a, I would say good apprenticeship 
looking at what these brands did very well, what they did not so well, and then got ideas about one day, if I was able to or lucky enough to open my own facilities, what would what would I want it to stand for? What would I want it to look like? And what service and what results would we offer? So I kind of learned in the trenches and then went out on my own and started and made some mistakes along the way, as we all do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I like to think I'm a little bit wiser now, having made those mistakes. Yeah. So in the back of your mind, you always knew that you wanted to be a business owner in this industry. Yes. Yeah. It was all I ever kind of wanted to do, really. And, you know, I, I, some people say, be careful what you wish for. And uh, but I'm I'm pleased to say, you know, it's been an exciting journey. I've enjoyed it, met some amazing people. And I think I've learned a lot and I've grown a lot along the way. And I've got a few more gray hairs for it as well. <laughs> OK, so when you started Talk us a little bit about through the journey. So when you started, did you initially start with this big of a space or is it something that you grew into? Well, when I started, when I was transitioning, working for the big box gyms, the big operators, I started doing outdoor uh, boot camps. So that was my halfway house from moving across. So I was doing some one-to-one PT work and I was doing outdoor sessions and group sessions in parks locally had three sites, and then I started my first gym, which was around 11,000 square foot, which for a first site is quite a big space. Yeah. Um, and then I opened a second gym, which was, I think, about 13, 14,000 square foot, mm-hmm. and then I sold them, and then obviously it's led on to what is now Six Fit Gyms, which is a quite a big site. Yeah, absolutely. So first size was 11,000 square feet. That is, like you said, definitely a lot of space for um, – someone who was new in the industry. So let's talk a little bit about marketing because I'm sure from what you learned when you were working in corporate America for the big box gyms, like you said, you took what you liked away from there. And then you also took away some of the things that you didn't like. So like, let's talk a little bit about, about marketing. Um, what works, what worked and what is working for you to get members consistently in the door? So what I what I saw um, in, in, in the global gym, in the big box industry was um, members, and obviously due to the scale of the business, it, it has to be that way to a degree, you know, members were just a number, okay? So that was, feeds into a retention problem because if, you know, Starbucks talked about, the, you know, the, the third place, you have your home, your work, and then where you choose to be. And, you know, Alan Cosgrove talks about, you know, making your gym like Cheers, where everyone knows your name. So when I started out, I wanted to have a gym where people walked in and everybody knew their name and you were part of something, you're part of a movement. I wanted to celebrate the results of the members. So in my first site, we had like results on the wall as you walked in. So member transformations all the way up the wall a lot of the marketing I did was based around the results we got the members. So, because in my head, I was always that people join a gym because they want to solve a problem. And usually that's about changing how they look, how they feel, the mental health. So it's about getting you from where you are to where you want to be. So I wanted to do was to showcase testimonials, videos, photos, written testimonials of members and repurpose those into whether it be Facebook adverts, 
banners, roadside adverts. I had huge roadside adverts that people were driving past, all with before and after pictures. And one of the slogans I started with years ago was, we get results. So people were driving past a huge billboard with just before and after pictures and a banner, we get results. And I thought that was very powerful marketing because, like I said, people, when they join a gym, it's all about getting what they want to get. So that was what I was trying to achieve. So marketing for me was very simple about showcasing your members' results, making people feel that they belong somewhere, and then asking them to refer people to you. So using the referral process. Gotcha. Okay. When I started. Okay. So marketing was referrals. Um, did you say you had a like you say you had lots of banners up around the gym with the transformations and testimonies of your clients? Yeah, all over the website, all over the social media. Um, as you go in the club and like I said, as you drove past the roads that laid laid as you were driving near the gym. I had a huge like 40 foot by 20 foot permanent banner at the side of the road with before and after pictures. Gotcha. Okay. So how has your marketing evolved since then? Well, I I got into um, a lot of email marketing um, many years ago under a mentor. And what I started doing was on... I looked at the website for the gyms, for example, and I thought, well, if people go straight onto your gym website and all they see is a load of pricing, well, people don't really know what they're getting for their money because nobody rings up a car dealership and goes, how much are your cars? Because you need to find out, well, do you want a four-wheel drive? Do you want an SUV? Do you want a, a pickup? Do you want a small car? You know, you would do a needs analysis before you quote a price to anybody. So what I, what I learned to do was that on my websites for gyms, it was always about an inquiry form, which then took you through into our CRM and our follow-up sequences. And then I would do a lots of content-based marketing and I would send out good videos, helpful videos, helpful content via email and follow up with the people that inquired. And I would also always in the emails have a link of, if you're ready to get started now, here's the link. Here's where you can join. Okay. So email marketing referrals and email marketing. What about social media? Because I'm sure you've gotten to see like how big of an impact social media can have. Yeah. So social media, initially for me, as I was learning social media, was a lot of, you know, trying to put out good content, you know, five ways to lose fat, you know, what's the safest ways to start weight training. So a lot, lots and lots of content and blog based things on social media with links of how to get started. Mm-hmm. But then I started dipping my toe in the water with Facebook ads. And I started learning and failing and tracking the metrics and thinking, well, what is working? What type of imagery works? What headlines work? And I was kind of testing the ads So over a number of years, I started getting a little bit better at running Facebook ads, generating leads, and then following up with those leads on the phone and via email and having a conversation with people and finding out, you know, what's made you inquire, you know, what was it about our advert that that struck, you know, struck a chord with you and, you know, how is it we can help you move from where you are to where you want to be? Yeah. So is the Facebook ads, is that something that you still do on a consistent basis? I run Facebook ads now and I run them 
I test them and sometimes if they're not working or the you know cost per click is far too high, I might pull them, change the ad, then rerun it again, test it again for another few weeks, then test it again. So yes, I do try and put ads out there, but I don't run generic ads year round if I don't think the ad quality is right or if I haven't got something to go to market with. So I try and put ads out at a time where I think, right, we've got a very, very either strong offer, a challenge or something that we can go to market with. I don't like ads that are just permanently all year that you see sit that say no joining fee, no enrollment fee, first month free, because I just think it becomes white noise and it just becomes background. There's nothing impactful about it. So let me ask you this. Is there any offer in particular that you that's your go-to or that you feel like works really well when you do decide to have the ad running in the background? Yeah, well, what I like to do, I mean, now I, I used to um I used to run ads things like first month free. But what 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 I found with the ads were when I ran first month free, for example, is you try and you you seem to only get price conscious people. And they are they're just looking for a deal. So what you tend to find is you're getting a lot of people in the front door that are there because it's a deal and don't tend to be long-term members who will stay with you. So when I look at the lifetime value of a client, the ones I've got from like ads that are deal-based, a saving or a month free, they don't tend to be good members long-term. That's what I found. So yeah. I always try to sell based on results rather than discounting. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. So what is your, like your process after somebody may click on an ad and be interested in checking your gym out? Are you bringing them in for a tour or, you know, a console? What does that look like? So what we do is we I try and always follow up within 24 hours. So that's a twofold approach. One, they will get an email straight away, and it'll also in there, we'll send them like a four-week starter guide, healthy eating. So they've got a bit of value. We're giving value up front. So we'll give them some guides to help them. So whether they choose to start with us, do a trial or something, we're giving them something anyway. So it's always good karma, I think, to give something without expecting something in return. So we'll give them some good guides, some things to help them get started, be active, learn something. And then we will say to them, listen, if you're ready to dip your toe in the water, here's a five-day trial, which you can try now at a small entry point, point. Or if you're ready to join straight away, here is our pricing and our options. We will also as well follow up with a phone call. So we will always say, oh, you know, thanks for inquiring. You know, what made you uh, reach out to us? You know, what's, where are you at now? What's the goal? How is it we can help you get there? Mm -hmm. Okay. So earlier you did mention that you do have personal trainers that offer that um, more individualized type of training. So yes. do most of your members, are they doing like the open gym or would you say that a lot of members are also taking advantage of the fact that you guys offer just that higher level of accountability and coaching? Yeah, we've, well, we've got, obviously you've got open gym where people can come and train and do what they want to do. They can also get a program. And then you've got members who need a coach. They need somebody who's going to keep them on track, walk them along the journey, keep the diet on track, keep the training on track, and just make sure they, they're doing what they need to do to get what they want. 
So yes, we have like any gym, you have a percentage of membership who will take up one-to-one personal training. And we have a percentage of members who might just do classes. Some people don't do the gym. They just come. They want the community and they want the classes and the coaching and the camaraderie and they want to do the classes. So some people do all three. Some just do gym. Some just do classes and some just do PT. Gotcha. Okay. So is there any particular service that you would want maybe more of your members to take advantage of? Well, we we want members to engage with us. So whether that is they do um, some group training, some classes, some one-to-one training, or if even if they come and every eight weeks get a new program and we can help and there's more touch points because the more we can keep people in one of those kind of buckets, whether it be PT, group training, classes, or, you know, having programs regularly, you're helping keep people on track. So for us, we want to interact with the members as much as we can. Because if you leave leave people to their own devices, a lot of people, motivation-wise, they might sort of fade as you go. So we want to keep them in one of our services as long as we can to help them get results and help keep them in, in the actual, in the loop of the gym. Yeah, for sure. So let's, well, as I'm sure you're the the owner, I'm sure that your role in your business has evolved over the past 20 years or so. So like, what is your day-to-day look like now? Are you still doing some, you know, coaching and training or is your primary responsibility to do things that are going to continue to grow the business? Um, it's both really. I mean, I, a while ago, I stepped back from all coaching. I stepped back from teaching classes. I stepped back from one-to-one. And I felt like I'd lost the heartbeat of the facility. So I do a small amount of one-to-one coaching, and I do a, very, a small amount of teaching a couple of group sessions. But I really enjoy it, and it kind of rekindled my my fire in the industry when I started again doing some one-to-one and some some coaching because – when you are just step back running the business, just looking at numbers, looking at cash flow, looking at accounts, looking at invoicing, looking at marketing, yes, those are essential and you have to do them. You can't bury your head in the sand. But spending 5 to 10% of my time actually doing some coaching, I think it helps you. You're on the, you're on the floor. You're seeing what happens. You're seeing how things work. You're looking at a member smiling. Is the music right? What's the atmosphere in the club? You know, do people seem happy? So it helps you get that on the sh- on the shop floor feedback. Yeah, yeah, I think not, so. just, not just email feedback from members. You actually see it with your own eyes. Yeah, definitely think that's something that's uh, priceless and invaluable to just be in that environment, even if it's for you know five to ten percent of you know what you're doing on a daily basis. Of course, yeah. Um, there's, I think there's no getting away from that. It's You've sometimes got to be there looking the whites of the eyes of your members and you've got to see, you know, do they look happy? Are members talking to other members? What is the interaction like in the club? You have to be able to see it. You don't have to be there 100% of the time on the shop floor, but you have to be able to dip in and out at different times and look what goes on. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, Okay, I'm glad that you brought that that piece up there. So next I want to talk a little bit about some of the goals that you have for let's say the next 365 days. I know that earlier we were speaking about this. You said maybe not necessarily to, you know, get more members in, but that you guys are working on, you know, some other things. Yes. 
Well, I mean, I think what we're looking at is, is the quality of the product um, and the proposition we offer and trying to, as we've been recently modernising the place and adding equipment, trying to look at what classes we need to add, what we've upgraded one of the studios, we've just upgraded the spin bikes, we've just become a High Rocks official accredited centre. So we're just constantly looking at how can we offer a better service and we're looking at the member journey. So I want to offer different services for different people because not everybody wants one-to-one, not everybody wants a group session. Some people might want some online coaching. So it's looking at trying to see what services can we offer that services and helps the majority of our members and meet them where they are at. So it's trying to look at how do we get better results for our members, providing a better service, better quality equipment, and trying to get, like we discussed earlier, the, the sweet spot between the pricing of the club, the value of the club, to make sure the club has a good atmosphere, it's not over busy. Because I think... you. In a gym, I've, I've, I've had the privilege of working in gy- different gyms at v- very much different price points. And if you lower your pricing, yes, you can increase your membership, but you're servicing more members. You might have members waiting for equipment, which leads to a retention problem then because you've got good members leaving because they can't get on the equipment they want. So I want the club to be great in terms of atmosphere, but I don't want it to be too busy. So it's yeah. trying to... Right, raise your pricing and hit that sweet spot where your gym is busy, you've got a good atmosphere, but it's not over busy. So you use, you're using pricing to almost control your membership. Hmm. So how did you come up with the pricing, like the tiers that you are that you guys are at now? Test it. You're always testing your pricing. So if you if you have a particular type of membership, for example, you might have a student membership. And if your student membership is sort of growing too quickly or you feel like you might have a member mix of too many students, you will put up your pricing for students. You'll control the influx by increasing the pricing. Okay. So I will, because if you, if you think about it, you always want to have a mix of different ages. You know, our club, we have members who are approaching 90 years of age. We have team members. So we have all the different ages in between there. And we don't want to have 70% teenagers. And we don't want to have 70% of people over the age of 70. It's trying to get that member mix right so the club feels right. So we're trying to always look at the categories and get the pricing right. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. So, Miles, this is a really good place for us to wrap things up on this episode. But before we sign out, please tell our listeners where they can find you. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Um, I'm not that young, so I don't think we're on Snapchat or we're on uh, TikTok yet. But our website is www.sixfitgyms.co.uk. Um, you know, we've got a blog on there and parts of our long-term strategy is to keep putting out more education. So when it comes to the blog and YouTube and our social media, to provide lots of value to the marketplace and whether people are a member of our club or not, just help put some good information out there for people to learn from and and help them and help the ripple effect in our industry. Just put some good content out there. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, thank you so much, Miles. We really appreciate your time and contribution to the show. Definitely looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to be able to accomplish down the road. Awesome. You're welcome. Everybody. Thanks Thanks for having me.
<laughs> we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us, our guest on the show today, we have Mr. Charles Sclafani of Improve Your Move, coming to you from East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. Charles, what's going on, sir? How are you today? Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. Uh, been a great day. Already got the 5 a.m. workout in. Had a, a bunch of classes already. We're making the world a little stronger. Excited to hopefully help some uh, listeners out there and uh, share my business model. That is what we signed up to do. And obviously, Improve Your Move is going to be the, the crux of our conversation here. So before we venture down the rabbit hole of, of what the business looks like and what you do, Tell us in, in your own words, kind of what Improve Your Move is. How do you describe what you do to other people? Okay, yeah. I mean, so our mission statement is this, right? You got to be strong enough for yourself so you could lift, you know, your neighbor up and be strong enough for others. So Improve Your Move was birthed out of that reason, you know, to live better, stronger lives. And, you know, from one-on-one -on -one training to group training to big group training to challenges, nutrition, accountability, stretch sessions, uh, you name it, you know, we're, we're all within the health and wellness space and we have services for all of those things. But um, underneath that bucket of, hey, you know, we want to make ourselves strong so that we can help make the world ultimately a stronger place. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a noble mission, without a doubt. What I want to dig a little deeper on here, Charles, is the origins of all of this. I find that how things get started and, and how these businesses are created tells a lot about what the rest of that ride will be like. And so take us down memory lane here for a moment or two and talk to me a little bit about when the idea for Improve Your Move started swimming around and, and how you got this whole thing off the ground. All right, great. So I have a, you know, uh, a little sappy, nice origin story. Um, you know, it started, I, I think, like most people's personal journeys, you know, looking in the mirror, expecting and wanting more, right? I was uh, in finance, 211 pounds, staring in the mirror, smoking cigarettes, not proud of myself. 
and I needed a change. And I, you know, I had a couple buddies that were into fitness, got me into it. Uh, you know, just bench press, regular stuff, pull-ups. And, you know, out of the, just going there while I was, you know, a financial representative, I slowly developed a passion. Out of that uh, came a crux, you know, or kind of like a pivot point of, uh, you know, a career financial wise and, and you know, into uh, the fitness space. And I was kind of leaning, you know, staying in the gym more and, you know, just embodying overall that lifestyle and appreciating that more than what I was as a representative. And I, you know, fast forward, I made a bunch of progress in the gym, was feeling better, you know, a long way from that uh, initial image looking in the mirror you know, not being happy to somewhat being happy. And then, you know, when I was selling financial instruments, yeah, we made people tons of money and we made money, um, but there just felt like something was missing, you know? And mm -hmm. so I realized, okay, now we have the business structure down. We know how to sell, we have some of this stuff and I love how I feel. And I figured like this, right? Like whether you have all the money in the world or none of the money in the world, if you don't feel good within your body, you know, you want some change and that's tangible. And so that's something that'll change your life for the better. Um, so I made like full pivot and just, you know, kind of up and left everything finance wise, got like a little bit of an exit thing. And then, you know, kind of started to improve your move. Um, originally I worked, you know, in some big box gyms and kind of, you know, got the feel and the lay of the land for that and took on some clients and just got my feet wet and understanding all that process and going through the certifications. Uh, you know, and then to like at the same time as that running my own personal business at the same time and doing advertisements and juggling everything, you know, all at once. Um, and then there was just enough demand where I said, you know, hey, um, you know, let's actually just leave all these big box gyms and give it a go on our own. You know, so it was kind of like independent trainer style. Um, then we turned into kind of like virtual training uh, where we started to employ a couple other trainers virtually. Um, and then, you know, earlier this year, it's like, hey, you know, everything's going great. We have our, you know, virtual processes kind of streamlined. I was able to step out of the picture somewhat um, and, you know, now put uh, some, you know, sweat equity essentially into a, an actual brick and mortar spot uh, come January this year. And we, we've seen great results so far, you know, same offerings that I originally mentioned but a lot more that you could do kind of like in, we have a 30,000 square foot facility, you know, so we can offer, uh, you know, tremendous amount of value and tremendous amount of uh, opportunities to get fit. Yeah. So a bit of an evolution along the resume there. We were early on, on the client side, right? A user of fitness training to, to better yourself. For a long time, found ourselves in, in the big box options, you name it. A lot of people that I speak to work their way through the ranks on that side of things. You stepped away, spent some time independently, and just grew demand and grew the brand to the point where creating a physical space to house all of this made sense. And two or three months in, here we are, right? Yeah, you summed it up perfectly. Um, and, you know, the benefit for me doing it in that way was that at no point have, you know, we've never been not profitable. So anything I've ever invested into our business side in terms of making sure that the demand was there has always kind of, you know, made us money. And, you know, that's been a, a huge benefit for mine because I've had interviews with tons of people and talked to, you know, lots of different people in the industry. And I, I definitely think this was the way to go. Yeah. Talk to me about your early experience here 
in the brick and mortar space. Obviously, there's enormous differences between running a virtual business and running a, a physically housed business. Compare and contrast those two experiences for us here for a minute. There's a lot more rides on your shoulders in a brick and mortar spot, right? You got a lease number that you have to hit. You have, uh, you know, a bunch of different members coming in, coming out that you want to make, you know, keep it a personal space. Um, but, you know, things grow quickly. There's lots of people. Um, so you just want to, you know, it's a challenge to keep, I think, that same one-on-one -on -one individualized family type of feel. Um, whereas like, you know, as a, you know, you're an independent trainer, you're working with people one-on-one, -on -one, um, you know, your responsibilities that obviously, you know, you have the business side of things, but you have a, you know, you, you're kind of, uh, you know, clients that you get to know, right. And they become more like family and they become, you know, more for the kind of like longer term and longer haul. So I think it's more, um, individualized and more, you know, about fitness and more about, uh, you know, kind of like some of that uh, uh, area there. And when you're going to kind of like a brick and mortar space, it, it has the same thing. Uh, it just grows a little bit, right? So now you have to worry about um, scheduling and, you know, classes running back and forth at the same time and how to change all of that over and making sure, okay, locker rooms are efficient and gym floors are efficient and, and things like that. So I think the, the list grows, but um, I'll give you guys a shout out, you know, definitely having like some type of uh, systems in place. And, you know, if you look at like the seven money models, there are, you know, there's a great system in place for, you know, what they, what you guys call client finance acquisition. Um, and that was helpful for making our, our uh, spot profitable, you know, kind of from uh, at least the, the first or second week. Yeah. And so for the, the uninformed here, let's, let's explore the, the marketing rabbit hole and what's been productive and fruitful since taking over in the brick and mortar space, where have you invested your time or your dollars just to, to get some new eyeballs on the business? Yeah, so all direct, uh, you know, social media marketing uh, for the most part is now we're, you know, now just starting kind of like stepping into networking with other businesses and doing kind of like uh, events and neighborhood events. Um, but really to what we've done from day one is essentially your modeling, right? Offer some type of uh, big ticket item, you know, uh, with a deposit and transform people within that time and make them want to stay. And the nice part about that is, you know, for every dollar we're spending, we're getting about four to five dollars back. And, you know, so it's some type of, in terms of the, the, the marketing strategy or the, the system is, hey, you know, here's some great offer um and then deliver you know come in check it out let's explain it a little bit right we're going to go through it give them a little bit of a taste of that offer a little bit of training alongside that um show them the value uh you know get them to put a little skin in the game and commit you know with some type of uh you know back end or um back end uh refund saying hey if we don't deliver and you do these things xyz you know showing up to the classes sticking to the nutrition plan keeping the accountability you know we'll give you all your money back um, the nice part about being a good trainer is, hey, you know, you know how to train, right? So if you deliver, you can probably deliver. People, yeah. You, yeah, yeah, right. You know, as long as people are, you know, kind of showing up and doing what we say, we we always we've never missed our mark. Um, you know, and it, it's kind of as simple as that. People keep showing up. They tell their friends about it. They come along. Um, you know, and we we've had literally the same people. We're again three months into it now, from day one, continuous. Anybody that's signed up to our programs 
has not left us as of yet, which has been great. Got it. Okay. And so the front end offered being the catalyst for a lot of these things before we even get to that offer, digital ads and, and social media being a, the main driver of lead flow is what it sounds like. Is that something that you guys are doing in-house or is that something that you, that you taught yourself how to do or is that outsourced? Yeah, so that's something I, I'm doing personally. Um, something that, you know, I've learned a great deal, again, to, to plug you guys through, um, you know, the seven money models and also just through, you know, other experts in the, in the field, you know. There's another great book, uh, Marketing Made Simple. Um, you know, there, I'm like, you know, I think a lot of people that are in the fitness space are kind of like, you know, go-getters and, you know, want to get better, right. Or always challenging themselves to get better. So, you know, I do a lot of long endurance runs. I throw a lot of audio books on, I have a lot of motivational quotes. Um, but there's a lot of people that have, you know, done what I'm doing for a long time. And it doesn't even have to be in the fitness industry, but have built businesses, marketed those businesses, have generated these systems that work. Um, and you just kind of got to custom tailor it right to your branding. So I've leveraged off of, you know, these giants and the information that they've had and just kind of made it my own, you know, and yeah, there's a little bit of plug and play and okay, this worked, that didn't work. But you know, whether you're Coca-Cola or you're improve your move, you got to do some testing and figure it out. Right. Yeah. It's, I think it's, it's unfortunate because advertising and marketing in general in the fitness space, people kind of shy away from. And I find that a lot of the, the conversations that I have stem from people who happen to just be above average trainers and thought that the next move for them was to open up a facility and really quickly find out that there's all of these other tangible skill sets that are required to run a, a successful at any level business. But to your point, which I think is really, really important here, 2023, there are more resources than ever for those willing to put in a little bit of time and energy to learn these skills. They're skills, they take time, but it's possible. You know, it's not that paid advertising doesn't work for me. It's that you just didn't do it that well. It's not that my offer isn't getting traction. It's maybe something's wrong with it. You know, there's, there's so much tinkering and tweaking and, and it, that's, it sounds like that's the message that you're communicating here is that whatever we're launching at the onset, be okay with manipulating and modifying along the way is that right yeah solutions not excuses right like that's it you know there, there's a ton of ways to pick holes through you know okay this didn't work or hey you know it's not going to work for me or whatever it is and you know i guess depending on where you're at in your business or your life you know you got to make a, a a smart choice essentially um but there like you said if you tinker with it eventually you find a way and it works yep now, talk to me a little about where all of this goes. I mean, three, three months of a runway of running a business isn't a ton of data to go on, but early indicators and, and what you've seen, where do you think the opportunity for growth presents itself in the situation that you're in now? What are you focused on as you guys move forward? 
Cool. So yeah, we have uh, definitely short-term goals and longer-term goals. Uh, short-term goals is we are, you know, then, all right, so let me reframe this. Um, I, I was listening to, what's his name, Cale Owens. Mm -hmm. Cool. He, and I think Alex Hermosi even said that, but they were saying, hey, if I were to open up a new gym, right, and I was always boutique fitness, boutique fitness, boutique fitness, um, but I was able to leverage on, like I said, a 30,000 square foot facility. So now we're operating more as a health club, but bringing the boutique fitness culture within that. So the nice part um, about, you know, having this initial great front end offer, right, and doing this boutique type of training and transforming lives, yeah, right? And we're closing at a 40% ratio, which is awesome, cool? So for every 10 people that are coming in the door, we're signing up four and they're staying. Now, out of those other six, we're like, hey, you know, you've got to use a gym regardless, right? You know, whether you don't want to do our kind of like, individualized training and small group stuff we're like hey you know come take our yoga classes come take our spin classes come just be a member of the gym um you know and we have like sauna and we have great locker rooms and we have tv and so you know rather than just going to a planet fitness enjoy this great space at the same time um and i think that's like a, a great downsell for us you know because now it's like okay even in personal training we're offering a very high-end product you know where not everybody in the world can afford to spend over a hundred dollars an hour for a trainer but we're like most people are spending anywhere from let's say 20 to upwards of 125 dollars for an actual gym membership you know so we're just looking for that person that can spend you know a little bit more on an actual gym membership and then we can kind of downsell into that and that's work. So, you know, we got a good people coming into our boutique stuff and into our, uh, you know, semi-private training and big group training, but we also have just people that are becoming members. Yeah. I think that's where the, the quote unquote big box, the commercial gym, the health club world got it wrong for a long time. The focus was so heavily on just high volume, low cost, drive as many bodies through the doors, whether they show up or not is irrelevant. And by just setting your target a little bit higher, you're looking for the slightly more affluent or slightly more willing to invest crowd with a higher dollar offer. And even if it doesn't make sense for them to join that offer, the downsell still captures revenue, you know, for, for boutique fitness, which you've cited a handful of times, the downsell is usually pointing down the street at somebody else, go over there, you know? you guys with the resources that you have get the best of both worlds by keeping people in the ecosystem who then may sign up for those programs at a later date. Do you know what I mean? That's exactly right. I mean, you know, where we run our semi-private training and even our big group classes, right? They're, they're right there out there in the open, you know, and you know, when I go to, you know, let's say Valentine's Day is coming up. I don't go all around the year, you know, going to buy a dozen roses. But, you know, there's a certain time of year that my wife is like, hey, you know, it's flower time, right? Um, and I mean, sometimes I'll get like little flowers, but I mean. <laughs> the, 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 Hopefully the, she's the, not listening to this. No, 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 no. She loves me. We do great things. We work out together. I, my point is I mean to make her happy, but the idea is, you know, a customer or a client doesn't buy when you want them to, Right they buy when they're prompted to. And sometimes our offering will get that, but sometimes they're like, hey man, I've been pumping this bench press the same weight, not making any progress. And I've been a member here for, right, let's call it two months. And now I'm looking at all these people that are jumping up and down, um, you know, doing sprints, having fun, laughing, sweating, 
They started with a big old uh, keg and are leaving, you know, with now four packs and six packs. Um, you know, there's some excitement around that. And that might prompt them the same way that Valentine's Day prompts me to prompt them to say, hey, you know, maybe it is time. Um, and maybe I do want to be a part of this great culture and community. So I think just having, you know, like you said, or, you know, kind of like we, we both said, but having them just be on the floor rather than walking down the street to, you know, Planet Fitness where they're going to go give them bagels, you know, is eventually ideally going to get inspired and I'm inspired and I'm counting on that fact. Um, yeah. You know, in fact, we are also trying to, you know, gauge people into events like, 5Ks and 10Ks, you know, and that's just not just for our semi-private people, but that's for everybody. And the, the idea is this family culture is going to, you know, want to inspire people to, to be better, do more. And, you know, that's exactly what we offer. Across multiple studies in, in all kinds of different research within your model, the biggest factor driving retention is utilization. You know, people that are in the facility doing different things, participating in different offerings, they stay. And the more of our crowd that we can engage, the better our numbers are going to look. It's as simple as that. As you look forward on this, Charles, what are, what are some big picture items in your mind that you guys are looking to hit? What's, what's the long-term vision with Improve Your Move? Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, we have, uh, right, like one trainer as of now, we'd like to scale that to five trainers, right? By the end of the year, that's our goal. Um, outside of that, we'd like to, you know, take this same model and go down to the bigger city a little bit down from us and open up one more. I haven't thought past that. I'm sure there's more room, um, but I'm like, hey, you know, here's the, the finish line ahead of me. Let's cross that one and then sign up for the next race. So kind of immediate, right? I'm still very, very hands on the business. I'm still doing some training, um, you know, on both sides in the virtual and in person. And, you know, believe me, I wish I could, you know, to say I wish I can get out of it. Um, but I want to make as many people around me as successful as possible. For So for that reason, I would like to take a step back and have somebody take my share, um, right? So that's, a, you know, the, 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 yep. the shortest term goal. Um, and then longer term, you know, let's, Hey, let's replicate it. Let's do it once more. And then, you know, we can kind of see where it goes from there. Um, I know there's a ton of people that want to build, you know, a bunch of skyscrapers out there and have, you know, the hugest of ambitions, but I would be right. True wholeheartedly happy with, you know, two facilities that are successful. I don't have to worry about, I can lay my head down in the pillow and know that the systems and the people that I have in place are secure. And that's enough for me. Yep. Fitness has this, this ego issue where we measure success so often on how many locations, how big, how grand. And a lot of the time it, it just doesn't pan out. People don't think about all of the other challenges that come with it. You talk about let's nail down our processes in location one potentially explore the route of going location two, but keeping our head on our shoulders and our feet on the ground is a huge part of all of this. Step one to step two is removing Charles from a lot of the day-to-day -day, or at least a lot of the training floor hours. And that in and of itself is a huge move. And so many gym owners never even make it to that step. You know, you talk about loving training and, and still being involved in some capacity. But the reality is 
you're the one with this vision and for it to succeed in the way that you want it to succeed, we're going to need some other bodies and, and for you to pour your energy into them so that they can pour their energy into the end client. Does all of that sound about right? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Uh, you know, and there's a, there's a huge difference between, you know, taking your NASM, your ACE, whatever, you know, you XYZ certification and becoming a successful, you know, trainer, then business owner, then gym owner. Right. Um, and so I think the, one of the benefits that I got early on was being in finance. I got to learn and understand a lot of these sales processes um, a lot of these sales cycles and, you know, how to deal with objections and failure, you know, and failure is never right. Like ultimate failure, unless you're getting put into the ground. Right. And then you just have no more choices, you know? So I think we have to frame what failure truly is because really it's just, you know, lessons in disguise. Um, so once we, you know, can kind of push past that, we can grow and, and you know, um, you know, progress more. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we need more people, right? Like first we need the demand. We need, you know, the numbers to be where they are. Now we know, Hey, this system works. We got people coming through the door. We got people closing. We got a great product to offer them. They're happy. You know, we're happy. Uh, we're both fulfilling our side of the project, you know, and now it's just like, okay, can we do that with more people? You know, and there's only so many people in our area right now, right? I mean, the market is the market of which it is. So we're vying for that space and, you know, we're winning to some degree. Um, and hey, like you said, let's nail that down. And then from there, you know, let's venture out to another market, you know, where it's like, hey, you know, there are more people out here now and do the same exact thing. How do we recreate? Yeah, from from there, it's it's not about reinventing the wheel. It's about duplicating, you know, it's... We already got proof of concept, but let's do it in a different location. All things fun and interesting for us to, to wax philosophical about on this podcast. We're running a little bit shy on time here, Charles, but I do want to save a minute for you to tell our crowd where they can learn more about Improve Your Move. Is there a website? Is there social media? How can people find you guys? Yeah, for sure. So our website is uh, 2iym.com. So that's the number 2iym.com. And our Instagram is number 2 improve your move. Just whatever Instagram platform you have. Those are our two biggest spaces. That's where I uh, you know drive all, you know all our website traffic, all our ad traffic. Um, and you know, in terms of the Instagram, you can see me doing cool handstands. You can see maybe some of our, uh, you know, uh, other, our other trainer out there. You can see some of our other clients doing headstands and splits. Um, you know, and if you have any questions, whether you're a, uh, you know, a lot of trainers and business owners will be listening to this. So if you have any questions on anything, I'm an open book, feel free to reach out. Connect with Charles and the soon-to-be-expanded team at Improve Your Move. Charles, this has been awesome, man. I, I genuinely appreciate the look underneath the hood at, at how this business operates and what you're focused on. I'm excited to see what the future holds because we definitely have some cards still to be played. So, like I said, we're out of time, but I wish you nothing but the best moving forward, my man. Joe, thank you so much. And just so you know, personal invitation, if you are up in Northeast PA, you're going skiing at Camelback Mountain and you want to get a good stretch or workout in after or before, come join us. Come check it out.
Thank you to everyone who tuned in. Thank you as well. Don't forget, if you would like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.